I'm recording this at 555. Can we all just talk about that for a second? Because fives in numerology often represent change, especially in tarot. So I think that's a slay. But anyways, hello, my loves. Welcome back to Spiritually Connected, the podcast where we talk about witchcraft, spirituality, healing, and the strange and paranormal. Um, Most of you guys know that I've been practicing witchcraft for over five years now. And one of the biggest issues that is plaguing the witchcraft community and the spiritual community is cultural appropriation and appropriation of closed practices. Um, A lot of misinformation is spread on the internet, leading people to do spells and rituals that are part of practices that are not necessarily open to them, um, which causes causes problems in all different kinds of ways that we're going to be talking about today. Um, I want to start off this podcast by saying that I do not know everything about this topic and I don't think that I should be your sole resource for learning about how to decolonize your practice. Um, Y'all already know this, but I'm a white person. I have privileges um, and I will never know what it is like to be affected by racism and I think that it's important that I say that at the beginning of this podcast episode because we are going to be digging into those like topics we're going to be talking about cultural appropriation and racism within the witchcraft community we're going to be talking about closed practices which often involves um kind of racist ideologies and xenophobic ideologies um but i think that it's important that i don't state like this is the end all be all because i think that it's important that you cross-reference That's one of the things I'm going to repeat a lot throughout this episode. You've got to cross-reference. I recommend that you also seek out POC practitioners to learn from them and hear their perspective on it because they probably, um, I mean, not all, but like a lot of POC practitioners definitely have a more deeper understanding of the cultural appropriation and closed practice appropriation um closed practice appropriation what like the appropriation of closed practices that goes on within witchcraft and spirituality um so i would recommend cross-referencing i'm not trying to say that this podcast episode is like all of the things because it definitely isn't um i did do a lot of research for this episode i did spend two hours writing it but that also doesn't mean that it's the end-all be-all and If you are listening to this and I say something that doesn't sit right with you or that you don't appreciate, please let me know. Um, I'm always open to being corrected and being told that I'm wrong. Um, So I just want to let y'all know that I truly do feel the need to acknowledge the fact that I am not the end-all be-all when it comes to decolonizing witchcraft. This is just something that I truly feel it's important to have a conversation about, um, especially because I'm a part of spiritual communities and witchcraft communities. Um, I'm a part of both of these kind of little, like, mini subcultures almost. And since this is such a huge issue in those subcultures, and this is a podcast mainly about witchcraft and spirituality, I feel the need to address this. So in case you haven't guessed it, yes, today we are finally talking about how to decolonize your witchcraft practice um, because despite people telling a lot of practitioners, and I know that I've done this too, I've definitely told people like decolonize your practice, but despite us saying that, there are actually like very few available resources, at least that I've found, um, that teach you how to do so. Um, And I mean like reliable resources, like there are a lot of TikToks, but TikTok isn't always the best place to learn um about these kinds of things but when there isn't really i mean neither are podcasts but like (laughs) when there isn't really like books or anything about it you have to kind of piece together your own information so i 
wanted to give you guys a basic rundown, kind of, of some of the cultural appropriation and closed practice-based issues in witchcraft and how you as a practitioner, um, whether you're a spiritualist or a witch um, or a witchcraft practitioner, whatever term you prefer, um, I think it's important that you examine your practice and move forward with your practice, being aware of what is offensive and what is acceptable. So, anyways, I want to do this in a respectful context. I want to do this um, looking at witchcraft not only from a historical aspect, but also from a modern aspect, and notice the changes that have been made within witchcraft and also the things that have stayed the same that we need to change within witchcraft. So, just want to make all of that super clear before we get into this podcast episode, um, but today we're going to be talking about why it's so important to decolonize your practice and some ways that I believe um, you can move forward with decolonizing your practice and that I can use, or that I have used in decolonizing my practice. Before we get started on this episode of Spiritually Connected, I wanted to remind you guys that I don't get paid for this podcast, so if you'd like to send tips, they're always greatly appreciated. My Venmo and my PayPal, as well as some instructions um, on how to tip. My brother's like stomping up the stairs, I don't know if you can hear that. Um, But if you'd like to send tips, they're always greatly appreciated. My Venmo and PayPal, as well as some instructions on how to tip, are in the description of this podcast episode. Anything helps just to keep the podcast supported and sustainable, but without further ado, let's get right into this podcast episode. I want to start off with some definitions. Um, First of all, what is cultural appropriation? So cultural appropriation is when members of a majority group, such as white people, um, adopt cultural elements of a minority group, um, including a lot of POC groups, Um, that can be an example, Um, in an exploitative, disrespectful, or stereotypical way. So this includes um, a kind of example would be um, white women who use AAVE as like a joke. Um, It's disrespectful and it adds to stereotypes about black people. Um, And so that's one kind of lesser form not lesser as in like less bad but like more common form of cultural appropriation that often takes place um when it comes to a spiritual lens um this could be white people taking pieces of other cultures um that they're not meant to have access to due to the persecution of said cultural practices throughout history um and just kind of claiming them as their own this includes those white (laughs) white women spiritualists who like call themselves the chiesler and like I'm laughing because I'm uncomfortable. I don't think that's funny, but the those white woman spiritualists who like use white sage and like have like dream catchers everywhere, you know, like that is very much an example of cultural appropriation. Now, what is a closed practice? Closed practices relate specifically to religious, spiritual practices. Um, Closed practices are cultural and spiritual practices that you can only be a part of if you were born into the culture it originates from or you have been initiated into said practice. And I, when I say initiated, I don't just mean you woke up one day and decided you wanted to be a part of a closed practice you have to go through an initiation process. And a lot of closed practices don't even have the opportunity for initiation. I use the example a lot of Jewish mysticism. You can't just wake up one day and decide that you're going to be a Jewish mystic because Jewish mysticism has such a deep, rich history based in Judaism. 
if you aren't Jewish, you can't just wake up one day and be like, yeah, I think, I think I'm going to be a Jewish mystic. Because you can't. You wouldn't know the first thing. You don't know, you don't know anything. Unless you are initiated into Judaism, you cannot consider yourself, or born into it, you cannot consider yourself a Jewish mystic. Um, some examples of closed practices, um, these aren't all of them, but these are some examples, um, include many native practices, Jewish mysticism, voodoo and, or Haitian voodoo and hoodoo, many Romani practices, Palo, and many Hawaiian practices. Um, now let's talk about the difference, um, between cultural appropriation and a closed practice. When it comes to witchcraft, we often use the words cultural appropriation and part of a closed practice interchangeably, um, and there is a reason for this. The reason that practices are closed is because they have history and roots with a specific group of people, whether ethnic or religious, um, and these practices are actively often suppressed by our colonistic whitewashed society. The important thing to remember when it comes to distinguishing between a closed practice and someone culturally appropriating is that it is possible to culturally appropriate outside of closed practices. While things like wearing waist beads are present in many cultures um, and are not, to my knowledge, necessarily closed, correct me if I'm wrong, um, white people wearing them as a fashion statement demeans the actual spiritual meaning and historical context behind them, um, and therefore that um, and things like that are considered to be cultural appropriation. Um, And we're going to dive more into that in a little bit. Hey lovelies, it's Promotion Greta stopping in to tell you that if you'd like input and features on this podcast or just want to learn more about witchcraft and divination in general, you should subscribe to my Patreon. I do collective divination on there, I post my spell recipes, and it's the only place where I teach about my craft. So you can subscribe for as low as $5.55 a month at patreon.com forward slash Greta Chapkin. Again, that is patreon.com forward slash Greta Chapkin. I've been doing a lot of video content on the Patreon lately. I've been doing a lot of like Sabbath content on there um and i've got some super super cool stuff my brother's just screaming but some super cool stuff coming in the future so if you'd like to subscribe to that it is always greatly appreciated i want to talk about witchcraft authors because literally so many witchcraft authors are so fucking racist and problematic um one of the things that i believe perpetuates the idea that all practices are open which by the way is just false um and available to white people is the amount of racist uneducated witchcraft book authors scott cunningham who is a very famous witchcraft author um best known for his encyclopedia of herbs was actually a huge racist (laughs) And many books written by white people encourage disrespecting closed practices and culturally appropriating when it comes to those spiritual practices. When it comes to uh, witchcraft, research truly is key. And I'm not saying that you absolutely can't read um, books by problematic authors, but I also think that it's important to, one, recognize the worldview that this person is perceiving, and two, don't support authors that are neo-nazis so download the pdf of the book online don't pay for it find a way around it there are ways around it do not give money to neo-nazis anyways um when you read these books if you choose to do so it is important to take things with a grain of salt um and here are a few ways that i kind of 
a, a few things that I do um, when I research using books without being fed harmful slash appropriative or racist information. The first thing is researching the author. Um, the background of the author when it comes to determining whether the book is or the author is racist or not um, is like it's it's key. <laughs> you have to figure out <laughs> if the person that you're that that's work you're reading is racist. Um, take everything they say with a grain of salt. It is important to recognize the worldview and the cultural view of the authors who are writing these books that you're getting information from. Um, there's a lot of people who like white women who will write books about witchcraft and then use the G slur in there um, or justify using white sage and Palo Santo and say that that's open. Um, there are a lot of white women who will write books about voodoo, which is not a practice that white women necessarily have access to. Um, it, it's just really important to recognize like research just for a second like <laughs> is the author you're about to read from a neo-nazi this is good information to know when you're reading a book about witchcraft or a book about anything in general research your authors this goes past witchcraft and spirituality as well um also be wary of authors who use terms like black and white magic and demonize love or baneful magic um anyone who's actually researched baneful and love magic is aware that it has severe cultural significance to people of color and their practices so disrespecting those practices is at its core a racist behavior which we're going to talk about the black and white magic thing and we are going to talk about the love and baneful magic thing as well in just a little bit um but yeah Look out for slurs. This is a huge one. Like I said, a lot of white authors will use slurs that they cannot reclaim in witchcraft books. Please, please look out for slurs. Because if a white woman is writing a book and she includes a slur that she cannot reclaim, maybe take everything that she's saying and understand that she's not the end-all be-all. And... She's clearly uneducated on at least one of these topics, so you have to take everything that she says with massive grains of salt and recognize that if you're going to continue to read that book, you have to look at the context through which she's writing it. Um, and then the last thing that I look out for when it comes to witchcraft authors um, and spiritual authors is saying that all witches are Wiccan or claiming that Wiccan beliefs um, and practices are the only form of witchcraft because um, that's a huge red flag and it's just not true. Um, and it also brings me to my next point. We're going to talk about Wicca, which I know is a touchy subject, um, but we're going to talk about it anyways. So, yeah. Uh, which or. <laughs> Wicca is a religion that is often kind of clumped together with witchcraft when it comes to spiritual practices, but it's also really important to keep in mind that being a witch and being a Wiccan are two different things. Being a witch um, is practicing witchcraft, which is a spiritual practice. It can be practiced by anyone of any religion. Anyone can be a witch, doesn't matter your gender, doesn't matter your race, anyone can be a witch. Wicca is a religion. You have to practice the religion to be considered Wiccan. Um, and not only that, if you actually research into Wicca, it is so incredibly problematic. 
for several different reasons, and I think we need to talk about it. Um, A lot of people defend Wicca, especially on TikTok, um, but the reality is the religion of Wicca is essentially compiled of other practices that happen to catch author Gerald Gardner's eye. Gardner, whose name is very significant when it comes to Wicca and researching Wicca, encouraged everyone, including white Wiccans, to use practices that, one, belong to indigenous people, and two, indigenous people have been asking those outside of their practices to stop doing for so long. Um, including, quote, smudging with white sage and um, things like Palo Santo. Um, Not only do Wiccan, I almost said Wiccan, not only do Wiccan figures of importance consistently appropriate native culture, they do it with several other cultures too, from Romani people to Jewish mysticism. The fact is that very few pieces of the Wiccan religion are not stolen from other practices. I'm not here to hate on those who identify as Wiccan, but the fact is that the religion as a whole has a problematic past and a problematic present. Not only is Wicca well known for its problems with cultural appropriation and invading closed practices, it's also known for systemic sexism and homophobia that has been written about in many Wiccan writings and books. Um, I think I'm going to talk about homophobia in witchcraft and sexism in witchcraft in different episodes um, because I think that talking about stuff like that is really important, but I also want to focus this on cultural appropriation, so I'm not going to go into that in this episode. The next thing I want to talk about is the terms black and white magic. Um, As I mentioned briefly um, when we talked about problematic witchcraft authors, the terms black and white magic have a deep-rooted history of racism. Black magic is often viewed and referred to as the magics that involve things like baneful magic and love magic, um, which we'll talk about in a little bit, and quote, white magic is viewed as spelled with good intentions and quote, love and light. (laughs) The problem is, like I said, these terms are racist. Um, Not only are they racist, they're also problematic for other reasons, but obviously the racism is the biggest thing that we need to focus on. Um, The dividing of these two forms of magic, which are both equally valid, by the way, has essentially been a way for us to continue the narrative of black equaling bad and white equaling good throughout the witchcraft community. Um, These terms are simply rebranded white supremacy, and I sincerely don't believe that these labels should be used whatsoever by any practitioner. Um, If you use terms black and white magic, just stop literally just take those words out of your vocabulary you can refer to it as baneful magic you can refer to it as love magic you can say that you don't do baneful magic or you don't do love magic you don't have to say i only practice white magic you including those terms in your vocabulary is inherently racist take the terms out of your vocabulary take them out anyways there is no such thing also as dark or evil magic all magic is neutral i'm gonna say that again all magic is neutral and all magic will come at some sort of price you doing a money spell with positive intentions does not make you better or a better person or a better practitioner than someone doing a curse you are both doing the same thing you are both manipulating energy to get a desired outcome and i'm not trying to demonize witchcraft whatsoever but i am saying like you guys know i practice witchcraft but i am saying that all magic is neutral you cannot divide magic 
into good and bad and black and white, especially when those have such serious racist histories within those terms. Um, You aren't better than anyone because you only practice positive, like, quote, positive spells. I did quotation marks around it, but I forgot you guys can't see me. Um, So, yeah. Okay, so I get asked a lot. I do not offer free readings. I do not offer spell work. However, I do offer inexpensive and accurate tarot, palm, astrological chart, aura, and oracle readings. My prices start as low as $5, and I cover all kinds of things in my readings. So you can DM me on Instagram at Spiritually Connected Readings to book a reading. No numbers, no punctuation. Again, that is at Spiritually Connected Readings on Instagram. And I will not message you first for a reading. Please don't fall for the scammers. Let's talk for a second about love and baneful magic. First of all, two of my favorite kinds of magic. I love love and baneful magic, and I think that they're cool as fuck. Um, But they're often stigmatized within witchcraft community. Um, Another problematic narrative that is often reinforced in the witchcraft community, um, usually the white witchcraft community, is that baneful magic such as hexes, jinxes, and curses, and love magic are somehow unethical. Um, I used to have a a mutual on TikTok and Instagram. I won't mention their name because they don't need more clout and they don't need more energy being spent on them um but they used to be my mutual i have since unfollowed them because of the remarks that they've made um but they referred to love magic as quote spiritual sexual assault which is so fucked up so offensive for several different reasons as much as this statement is problematic in the way that it minimizes the experience of those such as myself who have legitimately struggled with surviving and being able to exist after sexual assault it also feeds into the narrative that those do those who do love spells are quote below love and light practitioners now you may be wondering um what does this have to do with race um what if people just don't like the idea of forcing someone to fall in love with them or cursing someone but the problem is so much deeper than someone simply not wanting to partake in these forms of magic Baneful magic, domination magic, and love magic have specifically been used by people of color throughout the centuries as a form of survival. These practices were often used by enslaved individuals um, as an attempt to keep themselves safe from the severe abuse that they were experiencing from their, quote, masters. Um, Whether that's bringing bad luck upon their captors to distract them from abusing them, or... um, casting a love spell on the person so that they would feel safer and so would the other enslaved people around them who were quote working um under these like racist white men um to outwardly hate on baneful domination and love magic is inherently racist because it's such a deep-rooted painful and cultural like there's such a deep-rooted painful and cultural history behind these forms of magic and to disregard them or to demonize them is harmful to the people who have historically practiced them it is totally fine if you don't want to include baneful magic or love magic or domination magic into your personal practice but whether you realize it or not hating on these practices is perpetuating a racist rhetoric that demonizes people of color and minorities it is important to note that Baneful magic, domination magic, and love magic are not inherently closed practices, but like many other practices, it is really, really, really important to research the background of said practices um, so you aren't being disrespectful and perpetuating these racist ideologies when you kind of move into them. That's why I personally don't really recommend um, domination magic and love magic to beginner practitioners. You're welcome to do whatever you want, but I recommend that you 
get the basics down first before you move into that just because I think that it has such a rich culture and if you start out with that you may not get the full history and you may not focus your energy as intensely as you should be on the history of those practices if that makes any sense the next thing I want to briefly touch on I have talked about in other podcast episodes and in several (laughs) in several TikToks um, a lot of white witches specifically will post things like we are the granddaughters of the witches that you couldn't burn um saying stuff like that as a white woman is problematic um but for those who haven't seen slash heard those videos in that podcast episode let's talk about how the witch trials were inherently racist Newsflash, the witch trials that took place across several states and countries were not an attack on witches, they were an attack on women because of sexist and misogynistic rhetoric that demonizes women's power. And they were an attack on people of color and their cultural practices, which differentiated from the white Christian church's beliefs. When we look at the witch trials, even in Salem, you have to recognize that these white men in power or who these white men in power were targeting. One of the first women accused in Salem, and I talked about this in my podcast episode about the witch trials, um, was an enslaved woman of color. Um, Inherently, the witch trials were not an attack on those who practiced witchcraft. They were an attack on minority groups, such as women, um, such as people of color, um, such as disabled people and people who are or of a less kind of socioeconomic status. Um, so why am I mentioning this in a podcast episode about learning to decolonize your practice? First of all, what I want you to get from this segment is the romanticization of the Salem witch trials or any witch trials that took place is not only problematic because of the lives that were lost, but because of the context in which those people were accused. Through the lens of the white Christian church, a person of color who holds different spiritual beliefs is the perfect person to blame for this fear-based epidemic that took place. Um, It was a mass hysteria and the white men in power were looking for someone to blame. And so they turned to women, people of less economic, um, socioeconomic statuses, people of color, specifically women of color and disabled people and gay people. Um, so when you say as a white woman or post about how I am the granddaughter of the witches you couldn't burn, it is harmful because it takes away from the real issues that were at hand during those witch trials, racism, sexism, classism, and homophobia. If you haven't already listened to my podcast about the witch trials, I dive a lot deeper into this kind of topic, um, and give a lot more insight in that episode. So I would recommend you listen to that if you're curious. Um, but let's talk about these so-called gray areas of, um, spirituality and witchcraft cultural appropriation. When it comes to closed practices and cultural appropriation, there seems to be a lot of confusion because sometimes the line gets blurry and there are a lot of times where people will claim that something is closed or claim that something is not closed and people don't think to do their own research so they just believe either side whatever they hear on like whatever fucking social media app on fucking tumblr like um sure there are certain practices that are distinctly closed and i don't for a minute want anyone to think that i'm saying that all practices are open they're not there are inherently closed practices Um, and many white witches still continue to appropriate. Um, but a lot of people 
appropriate other cultures within witchcraft, um, hippie culture, and spirituality. So I think it's important for us to talk about kind of the the part of cultural appropriation and closed practices where the line can get blurry for some people. Because spirituality, witchcraft, and manifestations have such have had such a resurgence um, during the pandemic and after the pandemic, a lot of people are unaware of the cultural significance behind pieces of their own practice. Um, many people use the Hamza or the Nazar amulet to fit an aesthetic, when in reality it's a huge and significant part of many cultures and practices across the world. Um, there's often debate online on whether a practice is closed, and also a lot of misinformation about the practices that are closed, but here's a quick rule of thumb. If someone informs you that something is a part of a closed practice, take it with a grain of salt, be respectful, do your own research, and figure out if that uh, practice is in any way open to you. If it is not, do not continue to partake and include it in your practice. Do your research, cross-reference, and do not argue or get defensive when someone calls you out on invading a closed practice or culturally appropriating. Do not get defensive or upset. The key here is to research and to have an open mind so that you can better understand others' perspectives and how your actions may be harmful. Spiritual practices such as the belief in the evil eye and protection against it, working with the fae or fairies, and even yoga, um, as well as many others, are not technically closed practices, but they hold such a strong cultural significance that you need to research before you take part in them. I did a video on TikTok the other day, or I guess a photo slideshow on TikTok the other day, um, about the Nazar and the history of the quote, evil eye protection amulets because I see so many people wearing them and they have no idea where it comes from and how that's such a huge thing. So um, it really is important to research and to research outside of me. Once again, I am not the end all be all of all spiritual knowledge, um, especially when it comes to POC practices that I will never know what it's like to be a part of. Um, but you there are certain things that even if they aren't technically a closed practice, you still need to research and understand those practices from the people who originated those practices in order to include them into your practice. Um, be respectful, keep an open mind, and seek guidance from those who actually know what they're talking about when it comes to cultural practices and closed practices. Um, I think it's super important to go straight to the source when it comes to wondering if you're appropriating someone's culture, ask someone of that culture. Um, I see a lot of times people will comment on white practitioners like TikToks and stuff and being like, hey, I heard this is a closed practice and I don't know, like ask someone who is a part of that practice and who includes that practice into their life. Don't ask a random white woman on the internet. Um, but anyways, this... I Okay, the next part of the podcast is I'm going to give you guys a brief list. Once again, a brief list. These are not all of the practices that should not be a part of your witchcraft practice um, if you are not part of that, the, the cultural practice that originated it. Um, but these are a few things that should not be included in your practice, should not be a part of your practice if you are not born or initiated into the cultural um group that began the practice or popularized the practice. One, smudging and white sage. First of all, smudging 
and sound, not sound cleansing, smoke cleansing are different things. Smoke cleansing is not smudging. Smudging is a closed Native American practice. So is the use of white sage. There are a bazillion other herbs that you can use to cleanse. You do not use, need to use white sage. The use of Palo Santo as well in order to cleanse is a close practice that many indigenous people have asked white people to stop using. Um, so don't do that. Um, dream catchers and spirit, spirit animals um, both come from Native American practices that should not be incorporated into people's practices who are not Native. Um, they're not an aesthetic, they're not a cutesy little thing um, saying, oh my god, that's my spirit animal. That is not, it's not cutesy, it's not adorable, it is inherently stepping all over a culture that you truly like know nothing about and you have no right to speak on um bindis are a close practice that should not be a part of your spiritual practice um if you are not from the culture that originated them which is a lot of hinduism and um religions and cultural practices surrounding that um you should not be including anything from most african african tribal religions um don't be including stuff from african tribal religions in your practice especially if you're a white person if you are not part of those practices don't incorporate them uh the next one is honey jars i saw a lot of people doing stuff on tiktok being like this is the go-to love spell and like talking about honey jars um similarly with sour jars honey jars and sour jars are both closed like part of closed practices don't be doing that if you're not a part of those practices another thing is voodoo dolls um voodoo dolls aren't really a thing in actual voodoo as far as i know um but to make one and to claim that it is a voodoo doll um or to attempt to make one i suppose is cultural appropriation as it is a part of a closed practice um poppets are a different thing you can use poppet magic without it being a voodoo doll there are differences um i would do your own research on that um but poppet magic is a thing you can use poppet magic just don't try and make a voodoo doll anyways the whole um cross on the tongue honey spell that was really popular especially on tiktok a while ago is a part of a closed practice don't be including that inside your practice um don't include things that originate from jewish mysticism inside your practices um if you are not jewish or a part of jewish mysticism um certain kinds of shamanism are actually practice or <laughs> are actually closed i'm sorry i don't even know what's going on i'm speak but certain kinds of shamanism um are closed um there are some that are open from what i've heard and what i've researched um so i really recommend finding books written by experienced shamans and figuring out which types of shamanism are open and which types of shamanism are closed um amish practices are another one i know you don't often associate amish people with witches um but amish practices are cultural practices and they are closed so let's keep that in mind um certain folk magics are closed um not all folk magics are closed but as just as a general rule i would say just don't work with folk magic from a place that you have no blood or familial ties to like there's no reason for me to work with like irish folk magic 
<laughs> because I'm not Irish, you know? Like, <laughs> like I have no, I, I don't have any family that lives in Ireland. As far as I know, my family doesn't have a lot of history with Ireland. Um, so it doesn't really make sense for me to be practicing Irish folk magic. You see what I'm saying? And obviously that's not an entire list. Um, those are just some things that I see people commonly mistaking for open practices. And I also feel the need to note that tarot is not a closed practice, despite the fact that there's been debate about it online. Although people in the Roma culture have specific ways of reading tarot that are closed. The good news is um, that these practices are taught and told by word of mouth to only Romani people. So I saw this video of this Romani creator talking about how anyone is welcome to read tarot, but even if white people tried to read tarot in the same way that Romani people do um, and the same tarot practices that they have, we wouldn't know where to start because we aren't a part of that culture. So you, you can read tarot, just don't culturally appropriate the practices that Romani people have within tarot, which, like I said, that is very hard to do because most of these traditions are passed down through only Romani people. Like, they're not widespread information. They're within the Romani culture, specifically. Um, I want to talk to you guys finally about kind of a um, final summary um, nine things that you can do to decolonize your practice, some of the things that we've talked about, um, and I'm just going to be reminding you of the basics, kind of, of what we have been kind of discussing. <laughs> um, one, be open and don't get defensive when others who know more about the practice um, are trying to educate you. Take everything with a grain of salt and be open to changing your mind and altering your practice so that you aren't invading spaces and practices that do not include you. Two, remember to research and cross-reference. Um, don't only research witchcraft practices, um, research the people who write about them and research the history of those practices and always make sure to cross-reference and understand the author's, um, the, the perspective of the author um, that you're reading from because perspective does shift writings in a lot of different ways. Number three is ask questions. If you're curious about waste beads being an open practice, talk to a practitioner that includes them in their cultural practice and actually knows about it. Um, like I said, there's I when I say ask questions, I'm not saying go to your favorite white witchcraft creator and be like, I heard this is part of voodoo. Like, can I practice this? Because they, first of all, they probably won't know. Second of all, if they do think they know, it has nothing to do. It has nothing to do with them because they're not a part of that culture and they're not a part of that practice. Um, number four, always fact check and double check your information that you are given, especially online. There is so much dangerous misinformation and racist misinformation on Tumblr, on TikTok, on Instagram, on Pinterest, all over the place surrounding witchcraft and spirituality. Um, one white woman writing about how you need to smudge to smoke cleanse does not mean that smudging isn't a closed practice. Um, in addition to this, don't just like ask a white practitioner if another culture is closed. Ask someone from that culture in practice, as I said before. 
Five is retire harmful words and beliefs that minimize, patronize, or romanticize the experience of people in, of color in witchcraft and spirituality. Um, this includes not using the terms black and white magic and not demonizing love or baneful or domination magic, um, even if you choose not to incorporate them into your practice. Um, this also includes things like not using the G slur against Romani people um, if you're not Romani. A lot of I see a lot of white um, people, a lot of white spiritualists kind of referring to themselves as the G word, um, which is used as a derogatory term against Romani people as to just be like, I'm a free spirit. But like, there's a difference between appropriating Romani culture and being a free spirit. There is a difference there, I promise you. Number six is learning to understand things from other people's perspectives perspectives. It's really easy to look at the world through our own cultural lens, but one of the keys to learning how to decolonize your spiritual practices is learning to look at things from the people whose cultural her whose culture you're or may you are or may be appropriating's perspective. That was a mouthful. I'm so sorry. Not everyone sees the world the same way you do, and if you are a white witchcraft practitioner or spiritual practitioner, whether you want to face it or not, although you definitely should in order for us to progress whatsoever in society, you have privileges that people of color do not because of systemic racism that is continuously perpetuated through all systems in our lives. I'm gonna say that again. If you are a white person, a white practitioner or a white spiritualist, you have privileges that you need to acknowledge that people of color do not have because of systemic racism that is continuously perpetuated through all systems in our lives. Recognize and take a look at your fucking privilege. Okay, number seven, <laughs> moving on. This is making me a little mad um, in case you can't tell, but not because it's like, it, it's just a very important topic. And when I talk about important topics, I get riled up because I'm very passionate about activism and stuff like that but anyways um do number seven do not glorify your ancestors as a white person while doing ancestor work um i think ancestor work is important but if you're a white person especially in the united states your ancestors were probably not the heroes that they've been taught that they are whether or not they directly owned slaves or whether or not they directly um took part in racist ideologies and racist behaviors being a white person in that like in that cultural context automatically like demonizes them to some degree and i'm not saying like all of them are evil and like all this shit like i'm not trying to say that at all but i'm saying that ancestor work is important but while you do that ancestor work you have to look at the fact that your ancestors were probably racist. You have to admit your ancestors are probably racist. If you are a white person living in the United States doing um, ancestor work, you have to recognize and take everything that they say with, I keep saying with a grain of salt, but it's so important to take things with a grain of salt because if you romanticize your ancestry, um, it leads to these patterns of white supremacy and racism that still can exist to this day um so it's important that you don't 
or that you examine your internal biases and work on not repeating the toxic patterns um, and racist patterns that your colonizer ancestors began hundreds of years ago. Um, even if something is not technically a closed practice, if it is from a culture that is not a culture you're a part of, um, this is number eight, by the way, researching its origins and understanding its context is truly key. Also, I'm sorry, my mom just started playing music. I don't know if she got my text about the fact that I'm recording or not. I don't know if you guys can hear it, but it is very prominent. Um, so I'm sorry about that, but I need to finish this podcast episode. So anyways, um, and then number nine is follow, support, and learn from POC spiritual creators. I think this is a huge thing. Learn from people of color, listen to people of color, uplift people of color's voices when it comes to close practices and culturally appropriating. It is important that you understand the root of the issue and that you go to the people who actually are affected by it when it comes to wanting to heal um, your, whether that's ancestral wounds or your internal biases, um, which we all have, by the way. Um, it's important to examine those things with an open mind. Thank you all so much for listening. I'm sorry this was a little bit of a longer episode than usual. Um, actually, I'm not sorry, because this is a really important thing for me to talk about. And um, I think that if we don't talk about it, then it'll just continue to be perpetuated over and over again and kind of normalized. Um, I'm not trying to offend anyone with this podcast episode. When I'm saying that you as a white person have privilege, I'm not saying that you don't have your struggles. I'm just saying, like, I always use the example of when it comes to... Um, white privilege Um, I'm a white woman right if I go into a job interview for some for some reason right Um, and I don't get hired it's disappointing and it's heartbreaking and it's hard whatever rejection is difficult but I within myself can know that because I am a white woman, I did not get rejected from that job because of my race. I confidently know within myself and within the society that we live in that the reason I got rejected was not because of my race. You can still experience pain, you can still experience rejection, but it will never be because you're a white person. So. That's what I wanted to talk to you guys about today. I think I'm going to do other episodes about homophobia and sexism within witchcraft as well, because those are also very prominent issues, but I felt like we needed to talk about this, Um, especially because, like I said, there aren't a lot of resources out there. Um, But I wanted to let y'all know about these things that I've learned and these things that I have worked so hard to kind of compile. Again, I am not the end-all be-all on this, um, but I have done a lot of research and cross-checking. I love you all so, so, so much. All of my social medias are linked in the description of this podcast as always. Um, I'm sorry if the music and background noise is interfering with your listening experience. Um, I love you all so, so, so much, and I hope you have an amazing day, night, whatever it may be. Stay aware, stay open, and blessed be my loves. Mwah.